Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I discuss a few ways value stock investing may be augmented and improved upon with momentum investing factors. We talk about the idea of blending value and momentum in stock selection, how momentum may be able to help in your entry into a value stock position, avoiding value traps through the use of momentum, and the use of trend following. Many of these are examples of ways that we actually utilize momentum in the models we develop here at Validia. As always, thank you for listening. Please enjoy this discussion on the four ways value investors can use momentum. Okay, um, today we're gonna talk about value investing, but we're gonna also introduce um, this concept of combining um, value investing with momentum investing. And I think when you think about, I guess, all the different types of value investing, you know, a lot of times we talk about high quality value investing or, you know, small cap value investing or trying to find value in certain industries or sectors. But one of the things that you did with your article, Jack, is you sort of said, you know, one of the, best ways you think that you could maybe augment a value strategy is actually by combining value and momentum, which is not necessarily something that I think most people think about on the surface. So maybe to start, if you just want to talk about sort of that this idea, and then I think we'll get into the ways that you can actually practically do this. Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because momentum is probably the best factor to couple with value, but it's probably the one that value investors are the least comfortable with. And that, that's myself included. Because if you think about momentum, you know, what am I doing? I'm buying things because its price has gone up, you know, and, and that's essentially the reason I'm doing it. Now, behind the scenes, that price going up is usually driven by fundamentals. So usually there's some fundamental momentum tied to that. But in general, I'm just buying you know, things because the price has gone up. And in a lot of ways, that seems like the opposite of value investing. You know, Value investing, I wanna buy things that are cheap. So for me as a value investor and for a lot of other value investors, we have this tendency to not wanna use momentum because it sort of seems like it's the opposite of what we wanna be doing. But when you look at the data, um, you know, there's probably nothing better you can combine with value than momentum. Um, you know, even like things like quality, you know, people like buying high quality value stocks. But the reality is momentum works even better than quality, you know, when, when combined with value. So I think the first thing we have to do as value investors is get over this idea that momentum is something we shouldn't be using because it's not tied to fundamentals. Because when you look at the data, it, it is a very strong supplement to value. Well, now that we've lost about half the value investors watching this podcast, we'll get into <laughs> how we can actually uh, couple value, uh, couple value with momentum. So in the article, you kind of talked about these two ideas, these two approaches that you can actually utilize to combine um, value and momentum. And the first one is the sleeve method. Yeah. So just taking a step back, like there's different ways you can use momentum. Getting back to this idea that a lot of value investors are uncomfortable with it. And, you know, the first thing we're going to talk about here is this idea of, you know, really the best way to use value and momentum is to combine them completely, you know, to, to really have both of them have a similar impact on your portfolio. There's some other ways we'll talk about later, which are kind of ways to start with value and then supplement it with momentum. But the first thing we're going to talk about, like you said, is this sleeve and consensus method. And this, these are ways to combine value and momentum completely. So effectively, like 50% of my portfolio is controlled by value and 50% of my portfolio is controlled by momentum. And the sleeve way is, is sort of the obvious way to do that. And, and the sleeve way is basically this. 
I take, let's say I'm building a 20 stock portfolio. I can take the top 10 stocks using my value approach, whatever that is, whether it's a composite approach or a single factor approach or whatever it is. And then I can take the top 10 stocks using a momentum approach. I can put those together into a 20 stock portfolio. And so what that gives me is that gives me exposure to both value and momentum equally in my portfolio. Um, and, and it benefits from the fact that these factors tend to work at different times in the market cycle. And so the, their excess returns are, are, you know, are high at different points in the cycle. And so I'm benefiting by that by having both. Um, the second way you referred to is the consensus way. And that's sort of the idea of instead of trying to find the absolute best momentum stocks and, and finding the absolute best value stocks, let's find stocks that have a little bit of both. And so what I could do in that type of approach, an example would be I'd rank all stocks in my database using value and I'd rank all stocks using momentum and I'd take the ones with the highest combined score. And so the difference from the other approach is in the other approach, some of my value stocks may have had no momentum and some of my momentum stocks might have been crazy expensive. With this new combined approach, I'm getting stocks that have some exposure at least to both factors because I'm ranking and using the combined ranking. I'm getting stocks that have at least some value and I'm getting stocks that at least have at least some momentum. Yeah, so under the sleeve approach, you're getting much more factor loading on, you know, deep value and highest momentum. Whereas with the consensus method, you know, like you said, it's more you're sacrificing some of the individual factor exposure, but you're blending the factors together. So it's more, you know, you're getting stocks that have elements of both. I tend to prefer the sleeve, but that, that's only partially true. And the reason it's only partially true is because the one problem you have in the sleeve method is you're sort of offsetting your factor exposure. So to some degree, your momentum stocks might load negatively on value and your value stocks might load negatively in momentum. So I, I like that because I like the sleeve approach because I like to define that I'm getting my absolute best value stocks and I'm getting my absolute best momentum stocks. But it, it does, you know, people who advocate the other method will say, and they'll correctly say that you are sort of negatively loading on the other factors. And so it's sort of is offsetting your exposure to some extent. And by the way, sometimes you can have, like I'm thinking of this year with, you know, what's been working and where, where was the value coming into this year? Well, you could have made the argument the value was in energy and energy, you know, the energy sector is one of the best performing sectors so far this year. So one of the things when you introduce momentum, and value to some extent, you know, but momentum, I think more so it can, your portfolio at given points of the year and different points of the market cycle can look very different. Whereas I think, you know, sort of the value stocks generally tend to, you know, I'd say coalesce in, you know, most of the same sectors and industries where momentum can change a lot over um, a full, full, full market cycle. So that would be one thing that investors would want to understand if using momentum. Yeah, and that's an important point because if you think about like this year, momentum and value are, are in some ways one and the same. Whereas if you look back five years ago, momentum and growth would have been one and the same. So there's times where there's more correlation benefit between the two because they're different and there's times where they're the same. So you might be getting less you know, benefit from sort of the negative correlation here, but you're also getting right now, you know, if you look at, at history, when value and momentum align, those, that, those periods produce some of the best returns. So you might not getting as, be getting as much correlation benefit now, but because they're together, you, know, you might get better excess return here because value and momentum are both aligned in sort of the same types of stocks. The other thing just to think about before we move on to the next point is as, as an investor deploying these types of active strategies, momentum does tend to work. We've talked about this in other podcasts, but momentum does tend to work better when you're rebalancing at more frequency where value tends to do better when you're rebalancing it less frequently. So we're not going to, this podcast isn't about a rebalancing strategy. It's just note that, you know, you might actually have, if you're deploying this sleeve approach, you may actually have different rebalancing periods for each sleeve, depending on what you're following. 
No, that's right. Yeah, because value tends to work better with longer rebalancing momentum with shorter. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you could use sort of a hybrid rebalancing approach here where you're offsetting the fact that you're going to have high turnover in the momentum sleeve by having lower turnover in the value sleeve. Your next point was about sort of trying to better time the entry of when you're getting into a value strategy or the value stock specifically. And that's one thing, you know, I think that we've sort of recognized with using these value strategies sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you're going into these stocks that look really cheap, but they can obviously get a lot cheaper. And we'll talk about ways that we try to avoid those value stocks using momentum in, in a minute. But, you know, you kind of talked about this idea of trying to use momentum to improve the entry a little bit better when investing in some of these names. Yeah, so while the first thing we talked about was really a straight combination of value and momentum, these next three are for people who say, all right, I want value to be my primary strategy and I want to supplement it with momentum. So these are not complete combinations. These are ways to use momentum to enhance value. And, you know, one of the things, and, you know, we, we just had Savina Rizova from DFA on, and this is something they do. Um, you know, one of the things you can do is just say, all right, I've got a bunch of cheap stocks I can choose from. Some of those cheap stocks are going to have terrible momentum. Some of them are going to have better momentum. Well, why don't I just buy the ones that have better momentum because all else being equal, you know, in my ranking system, they may be very similar on value, but some of them have better momentum. So one way to take advantage of momentum without necessarily changing your value strategy drastically is just say, all right, let's, let's try to just buy the ones that have better momentum when I have fairly equal ratings on value. And, and that's this idea of improving the entry is that, that I can just maybe buy, you know, I, I can use this as sort of a buy and also on the sell side, I can use momentum to help in those two areas. So do you think that's just strictly like looking at your value names and then ranking and then all else equal, you're buying the ones with that score you know, higher based on relative strength or intermediate term momentum or something like that? You can do it a lot of different ways. You know, One is you can just sort of use it as, I've got a lot of value stocks that are similar, so I'm gonna buy the ones with the best momentum. Another thing you could do is sort of set a minimum momentum. So you could say, like, if you're using relative strength of one to 100, you could say, I'm not gonna buy anything with a relative strength. You know, I want the relative strength to be above 20 or something like that. So I'm only gonna look at the value names with a relative strength above a certain level. It's not gonna be like 90 relative strength because then I'm gonna get rid of my value exposure. But it could be something on the, on the low level where you're at least setting sort of a minimum bar. It, there's different ways you can do it, but those, those are two examples of, of ways you might wanna do it. Yeah, I was thinking too, you could, you know, and this is, this is kind of getting in the weeds here, but you could look for stocks that have made a certain percentage move off of maybe a, a low or a bottom. That means they're sort of moving higher also, I was thinking, you know, if you see even in like lower momentum stocks, if you see a stabilization in price, so there's a base forming, you know, that might be a good indication that, you know, it now's a better time to get in versus if it was continuously going down. And then this whole concept of like consistent momentum is better than, you know, really wide or a lot of dispersion in momentum. And that comes from Wes Gray and in, in, in terms of the, the momentum strategy that he outlined in quantitative momentum. But those are sort of some other ideas that I had as, as I was thinking about this conversation about ways that you might be able to use momentum or m maybe the price action in terms of trying to get into some of these value stocks. Yeah. And to, to your point, you could also couple it with like trend following. You know, you, you could say like only buy stocks that are above a certain moving average or something to try to avoid value stocks that are in a downtrend. And, you know, this is all a trade off because obviously the more momentum you use, the less value you're probably going to have other than times like right now where value and momentum are aligned. It's a trade off between how much do I want to use momentum, but how much do I want to preserve my you know, exposure to value. And that can vary in different types of markets. The next part of the podcast is where you're going to tell everyone that it's absolutely possible to avoid value traps. It is, it is completely impossible to, to avoid value traps, but, uh, but by the same token, you, you, could, you can attempt to limit them. 
Um, and you know, one of the things we won't get into our, we did a separate podcast where we talked about our strategy to try to limit value traps. And, and I guess I should probably define value traps really quickly since we're talking about them. Value traps are the idea that in the, in the, in the, it, on average, most value stocks, expectations sort of get below reality. And so they, they, they exceed expectations over time. And, and that's how you get your premium, or that's part of how you get your premium in value stocks. But there's also this group of value stocks where expectations actually haven't got low enough. Despite the fact that the stocks are probably down a lot, the reality ends up being worse than the expectations. And, and that's the idea of a value trap. And you know, every value investor wants to get rid of value traps because you know, they're sort of the bane of our existence. They drag down our returns and everybody wants to have a system that can get rid of them. But the reality is you can't. You know, there's no way to get rid of them completely. But one of the ways we found works very well to limit them is this idea of momentum again. You know, and we, we have a bunch of fundamental things we do to try to filter for value traps, but momentum is a great catch-all that kind of sits below all of those. Because if you have a value stock and its momentum is, you know, its relative strength is five or something, something has gone horribly wrong with that company. Even if I can't find anything in the fundamentals to say why something's gone horribly wrong, something has still gone horribly wrong. And so what we do is we use sort of a negative quality screen and we will take the absolute worst momentum stocks, you know, in our case, the, the lowest 5% of our database, and we'll filter them out of our value strategies just because we're going to say, all right, you know, we've, we've ran all these value tests and we've said, all right, this stock is attractive from a value perspective, but the market is strongly disagreeing with us right now. And if the market's strongly disagreeing with, with us, there's probably a reason for that. And so that's why we'll use this negative momentum screen against our value positions. And by the way, for investors listening to this, the way that you would do that is if you're looking at a particular stock idea, you want to look for something called relative strength, um, which is a relative ranking of on a, on a, on a scale of um, 1 to 99 or 1 to 100 of the relative price strength of all stocks in the market on any given day. So if you if you were looking at a stock and you see it has a relative strength, which is on should be a, a, a reported or a metric, you know, on most major um, investment research sites. I mean, we reported out on the Validia site, but I think most brokerage firms also have like a relative strength, you know, on the stock ticker page. If you see something like with a relative strength of five or maybe less than 10, that would give you an indication that that stock is a really low momentum stock. And so that's kind of what Jack's talking about here. Um, low relative strength stocks. And those metrics are out there and reported publicly um, that you would be able to find. The last point is this idea of, I guess it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like factor timing or it's using trend to determine when you're in or out or maybe tilting or moving away from value. And, and this trend, this idea of trend following is, is essentially a momentum indicator or momentum factor. Yeah, this is the least strong of the four. So th this is the one that has the least evidence to support it. But the idea is, you know, if, if I can look at if value stocks in general have strong momentum, you know, I could, I might be more likely to be invested in value stocks and I might use some sort of trend indicator to say, all right, when there, when value has poor factor momentum, so value stocks in general are doing poorly, I might limit my exposure to value. So it is a form of factor timing and, you know, the evidence to support factor timing is mixed, but, you know, AQR had this, their paper factor momentum everywhere. And, you know, I think of the different ways you can do factor timing, whether it be based on valuation or based on macro factors or, or based on momentum, momentum seems to have the strongest evidence to support it. So if you wanted to try to have a system 
that would try to avoid being in value during a period like this past decade, you know, where we had really poor performance, I think momentum is probably your best way to do that. And so that is one way you might be able to supplement a value strategy is either to, is to find some way to maybe limit your exposure to value when it's in a downtrend and invest in something else or hedge it or, or whatever you're going to do. But that might be a way you could limit some of these long periods that all of us know that value has of underperformance. Yeah, I'm going to put my factor timing hat on here and just say that, you know, from what we've observed too, I mean, value does tend to work best coming out of, you know, large declines in the market. So if you think back to late 2008, early 2009, or even during the, the spring of 2020 COVID crash, you know, coming out of recessions, basically, value stocks tend to produce, you know, generally very good outperformance, whereas momentum you know, momentum's always sort of sniffing out what's working. So especially as you get later in a cycle and the leadership starts to narrow, narrow and the dispersion in the market starts to narrow, momentum can kind of always help you find what's working in the market. So those are just two things. Not, I'm not advocating that most investors try to time those things. Those are just like observations in terms of the way these things work and react um, at different parts of the market cycle. Yeah, so I think the big the big general concept you want to take from this is, is you don't want to be wrapped up in being a certain type of investor. And a lot of us, myself included, that are value investors want to say, all right, my entire strategy should be related to the value of a company. But, you know, we have to look at long-term evidence and not just get trapped in that certain type of approach. And, you know, that, that was sort of my takeaway from this is momentum, whether you use it a little bit or you use it a lot, momentum is, the evidence is very strong that momentum can be used to enhance a value strategy. And so I think that's the biggest lesson here is that, you know, all of us want to be open to different ideas. And, and as a value investor, momentum is something that can really enhance, you know, the quality of our portfolio. I think that's a great point. Being open-minded as investors is very important. So thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at @practicalquant and follow me on Twitter at, at @jjcarbono. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.